you never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. Alright, welcome back to Common Folk. Yes, we are back. We're back. Are you sure my go. mic's on? Uh, I think I can shut it off. Is it on now? Let me hear you talk a little bit. Hello? Nope, it's not. Yeah, Should we, we leave it that way? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds better. Okay. Get yourself in trouble early <laughs> on here. Wow. My God. See who has the controls on Wow, us? wow. But these uh. dots normally are lit up. Yeah, it's because we got a memory chip issue. So we're just C and D today, not A and B? Uh, yeah, that's right. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, taking them behind the scenes, checking out the player. Guys, we have some issues. <laughs> yeah. No I'm yeah. kidding. So uh, today, let's just get right into it. So yeah. today, we've got a uh, return guest. Let me see. What episode did I say that was? Thirty-nine. Friend of the program, Adam Connect. <laughs> Adam yeah, Connect. Thirty-nine. Yeah, and you said it was November. Yeah, thirty-nine in November. Yep. So we talked to Adam um, about his. Uh, fitness company and kind of how that journey's been um and that's still going pretty good for you yeah that's going great we're super busy so well they got deal. the common folk bump you know that's probably what late november he's probably yeah. you've been able to keep up with the rush it's been tough i had to hire yeah. a couple of people because they kept saying <laughs> i get all of the referrals from common folk oh wow right. i always tell people that's a good problem you know to be a little totally. too busy. You yeah. Know, you, don't have, you don't want to be the other way. It That's definitely true. doesn't have anything to do with it. It was like the beginning of the new year or anything like no, that. Oh, no. okay, okay. Health goals are pretty <laughs> laid back. Minimal on the beginning of the new year. Is that? So it's what? It's the beginning of uh, April right now. So do you actually see that? Like sidebar, do you see um, right there in the beginning of the year, like a big jump and like a lot of interest? And then are you starting to kind of see a little bit of fade and the people who are really going to stick with it are sticking with it? Yeah, um, I we don't in my business anymore. Okay. So I really, when I worked at a gym early on, gotcha. that yeah. was a huge thing. But it was um, in the area of my business, there was a lot of appointments set, right? Not mm-hmm. a lot of a commitment. So you're like, cool, nobody's here. All right, call them. Nobody's mm-hmm. answering. Cool. So we wanted to diminish that in our business. But yeah, that's usually the way it works. And Gotcha. Well, and there's a, a day, it's like February 24th or something, where the majority, over 50% of the New Year's Day resolutions, especially the health goals, they all fall victim to that, that day. That early? Already in February? Yeah. So, yeah, people go, yeah, almost two months is how long people can stick to their guns as far as their New Year's yeah. resolution. It is hard to, I think we talked about in the episode, mm-hmm. just to say consistent and stuff, but... We're not talking about working out today. We're talking about something else. During that episode, if folks go back to that, we touched on a little bit the fact that um, Adam had been involved growing up in skeet shooting and competitive skeet shooting. And we wanted to get into those details a little bit because for us personally, it's something that that I did growing up, not skeet, but trap. Um, So I really enjoy it and I love the topic. And I think a lot of people who are listening do as well. We've got a lot of, um, you know, just shooters and outdoorsmen and outdoors women and all that that listen to the podcast so it, it's a kind of a fun topic and something that not not a lot of people talk about so um for a little bit of background or a little bit of, of of what's going on today our son is in sixth grade and he started this year on the trap team in school so he starts junior high next year but they let him start in sixth grade and then they do that all through high school um so he's considered a junior is what they call it in the sixth seventh and eighth graders um, so we've been getting Morgan and I have been getting more and more involved in it and just in having conversations with people, like it's clear people don't understand what it is. Like, how does that work? What's going mm-hmm. on? What, what are the rules? What are, like, what are you gonna, how do you do this? How do you do that? Yeah. Oh, it's so strange. Like there's all these unknowns. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about something that a lot of people could relate to. And then also kind of talk about your story and how you got involved and what level you took it to. And then maybe some specifics about it. I don't know. We'll see what we get into. So that's the that's the whole idea behind this conversation. I mean, even I didn't know. I mean, I knew you did it, but I didn't really know how it would um, actually work when he's standing up there. I didn't know how many, you know, I just, I didn't even know that that thing was called a house. I still right. don't have all the lingo. Well, so, and, you and know. You're, you're light years ahead of most because I, I feel uh, most people, especially from an urban environment, they're like, 
You're telling me a sixth grader is taking a shotgun to school and he's shooting it out back? Oh, gosh, no. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and at some schools, that's the case. Yes. Really? So yeah. at, at, our, at our small school here, that's not. Because they have to go elsewhere. Well, no, what I'm saying, yeah, here, but surprisingly enough, you know, you head up towards Omaha and you get into some of the big schools up there in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And they, from what I understand, I haven't seen them, but they have trap houses yeah. on the property. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they're See, out there shooting at their I didn't schools. Even know that. Okay. Yeah. One of the uh, girls' Catholic schools. They, you probably know this, Adam, but they've just been dominating uh, skeet or you know team skeet. I mean, just year in and year out. And it's just this little Catholic school up in North Omaha that just dominates. So them. to give people a little bit of background on that, so we um, the organization and and I don't even fully understand this yet, but there's like governing bodies you know, with these different names, whatever, ECTC mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, there's like these different regions. So we are here locally. We're in, I think they call it like the Southern region or something like that. So there's, I don't know what it is, seven, eight schools, something like that, that are involved in the shoot every week. Mm. But we don't compete against the Central or the Northern or whatever, which includes, you know, the Omaha area, right. the Lincoln area, like those kinds of schools, until the state meet. So we all just compete against these same ones for the for the few same weeks. So mm-hmm. you know the school you're referencing, whatever those um, those women are, we we yeah. haven't experienced and we haven't mm-hmm. seen them around. Well, you know your boy would probably lose. So. Yeah, there's oh. a fair chance <laughs> he probably would. He'd be just looking around the whole time. <laughs> oh man, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> these girls. Like, hey. So <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Adam, tell us a little bit about. So let let's start with. I want to talk about how you got involved, and I want to talk a little bit. Um, so people understand the difference between skeet and trap, because um, you were more involved in skeet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got more involved in skeet, and um, I got involved, uh, my dad grew up hunting and fishing, and so he would always take me out at a young age, and I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and of course, like, I'm probably like a lot of you guys, I'm super competitive, and, you know, after about the fifth pheasant I missed, I'm pissed. Like, it's not <laughs> fun for him anymore. I'm wanting to throw my gun across the creek. And so he uh, he worked with a guy that did some skeet shooting, and okay. he was like, "Oh, you need to get him out. Just learn leads. Learn how to like put the bur- put the barrel in front of a bird, you know." And so I got out there and started just kind of actively shooting that way, and it really just grew. I'd go with him to his league shoots, and then I started shooting in his league a little bit, and just like anything, it just so kind of grows on you. The the gentleman you're talking about, or your dad, who was in the league. Yeah, my dad was in the league okay. um, with a friend of his that he worked okay. with at the time, yep. and that's who kind of recommended, like, we'll take him out and get him shooting a little bit, yeah. and, like, learning some of this stuff. Yeah. And I did a little, just a, a quick little bit of digging beforehand, because I just wanted to see, like, some things that I didn't know, and that is where it came from. That's where this whole sport got started, was people having been hunting and wanting to hone in their shooting skills for hunting. So it's all around bird hunting is yep. kind of how it all came up. Yeah. Um, makes you a way better hunter. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, be. it's more of a fair deal for the, the game, too. You know, you're not going to injure or wing a bird, clip a bird. Yeah, good 100%. point. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. So uh, in talking about trap and skeet, so you did that when you were first getting involved with, with these guys and with your dad. Were you guys out trap shooting or were you doing skeet immediately or how did that work? Yeah, so we stayed more on the skeet side of things. Okay. Um, you know, the the lesser people were more on the trap side of things. I so. see, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, shots already yep. fired. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> us. No kidding. I'm sure there's some competitiveness there. <laughs> there probably is. There totally is. But do, yeah. do people not normally do both? It's one or the other. Yeah, usually it's competitively, it's usually one okay. or the other. I you mean, there's shoots that you do all of them and include sporting clays into it. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. It kind of reminds me of like Navy guys talking to Air Force guys. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pecking order there. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it, it made sense to me when I started looking into it because as far as skeet shooting goes, I, I did trap shooting growing up in high school. And then we've always just had a thrower out mm-hmm. here that mm-hmm. we just do. And, you know, that's more similar to trap, I think, the way we have it set up. Um, but in digging into what skeet is, since we've been involved in it with Joel, Joel shoots an over under, so a double barrel shotgun. And a lot of kids just have a single barrel, whatever it is that they're shooting. And I've, I've been questioning, like, why do these kids, why does, why is, is there even a double barrel offered in a trap gun? But that's the reason why it's skeet. Mm -hmm. I think that's gotta be it. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And that, and if you get into like doubles. 
Yeah. Right? You need to... But even in like tra- in trap competition, I don't I don't know if they even throw doubles. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of that. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they should. Okay. So we haven't gotten into that yet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but as far as the difference, so like just the basics. So trap, um, you know, you've got a trap house out there to start with 16 yards ahead of you. There's five positions kind of in a, a half circle um, setup. And one by one by one, each person takes a, a, a shot with five shots at each position. And you don't know what direction the clay is going to go, but you know where it's coming from. Um, and that's pretty much the basics. So you, you, you holler for it, you take your shot, you hit or you miss, and the next person goes and you do that five times at five different stations for a total of 25. So that's kind of the gist of it. Does that explain it? Is yeah. there any, yep. any other, any other input on that? No, no, I was just trying to think you said that good. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's the yeah. basic. And then it does get a little bit more complicated with handicaps and so on and so forth, yeah, but I that's still the don't basic. Get that. <laughs> so then what's the basics of skeet? I'm not very familiar with that. Yeah. So the basics of skeet is the difference is there's a high house where the trap is sitting up about 15 feet high. And then there's a low house where the trap's about four foot off the ground. And there's eight stations that basically make a half moon, goes from one end to the other end from the high to the low. And depending on what station you're on, so station one and two, you shoot four targets. Station three through five, you shoot two targets. Six and seven, you shoot four. And then eight, you shoot two. If you run them all, you'll shoot three at station eight. So okay. if you miss one of your first targets on the round, you'll reshoot that target. That'll create your 25th target. Okay. But they come out of both angles, so they come out of the high and the low, and you always know where it's coming from. That's really the biggest difference, and there's just a lot more angles to it than there is with trap. So is that those throwers, are they out in front of you and throwing away from you? Depending on where you're at in the station. So like station one, the high house is literally right above me, and it's going away from me. Okay. And then the low house, obviously, it's literally coming right at me Okay. to go over top of my head pretty oh. much. So you have some um, targets that are not flying away from you. They're flying kind of at, in a general at you direction. Yeah. And then as you work your way around, that angle obviously becomes greater to where they kind of mm, just come yep. straight across yep. in front of your face. And so do they throw out of those throwers at the same spot every time? Or mm-hmm. do those throwers move at all? Nope, those throwers okay. don't move. So, and then based on your position, decides what angle it's going to be coming from. Exactly. So you Got start it. getting a feel for your position one, which angle, how yep. you're going to shoot. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that's where hold points and focal points are so big on that sport. Yeah, and as you were talking about earlier, you know, you're joking a little bit, but like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the superior sport. But really, like, if you're a shooter and you think about that, I can see how that would be a whole lot tougher. I mean, you've got tar- you, targets are going to be coming faster at harder angles at you, away from you, all kinds of crazy things, right? For sure. But you'd also know where it's going, right? Trap, sure. you don't necessarily know the exact angle. Yep. You know where it's coming out of. Yep. But it might be coming out of a right angle, left angle, straight, whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. So both of them kind of have their unique Absolutely. Um, deals that are, that would help build your skills. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think I would have – I definitely would have more trouble with skeet, but I think it's just because mm-hmm. I've been shooting trap. Yeah, 100%. So maybe I'd have to get used to that. Andy, I heard that you're good at pheasant. I'm terrible at everything. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. I'm our, kidding. Our last pheasant episode, they got me pretty good. It was a shot. I mean, it should have been an easy shot just right in front of me, horizontal, and I was I was behind. Oh. And then everybody, er, you were there. Everyone was I got it on camera. That's why I yeah. said yeah. it because he was there. Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. I, I didn't edit it out. I put it on there. I, I even poked fun at myself. I think so. it was on the drone, wasn't it? Yeah. I was flying the oh. drone behind you. Yeah, it was like the best the best camera work the entire episode. Just happened to get my miss in the first shot of the day. <laughs> did you ever get one, though? I did. I made the next okay. one. I made the next yeah. one, which is actually, it was a tougher shot. That one was on the drone, too, yeah. up over yeah. top. But I mean, everyone's going to yeah. miss. Come and it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, a, pheas- yeah. a pheasant is only like four or five times the size of a clay target. <laughs> but it's like a, know, it's just a, a big old inflated football just right in front of my face. <laughs> wobbling along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but yeah. you didn't do it in high school. No, no. But I, did I, your school, little oh, school have it? No, it oh, wasn't even offered. It wasn't even a thing. No, okay. No, but uh, same type of deal. We just had one of those little hand throwers. Mm-hmm. I think. One of my uncles might have had the, you know, you pull it back and 
that was on the ground. But yeah. That was still just a single load yep. type deal there. And it was just recreational stuff like that, you know. And it doesn't seem like there's really any rhyme or reason as far as schools go. So around here, like our town, um, Murray is like, I don't know what it is, five, 600 people, something like that. But then plus Beaver Lake, that's another thousand. So let's say it's 1,500. Um, that school has it. And mm-hmm. then right down the street, Plattsmouth is, what's the population of Plattsmouth? Three, uh, 4,000? I, yeah, I don't know. It's about 6,000. Six, okay, yeah. boom. So quite a bit bigger. And they don't have a team. Right. Some of their kids will shoot with Conestoga if if they know about it. Right, right. But the um, the message hasn't been conveyed that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of kids don't even know it exists. Right. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't yeah. really necessarily have anything to do with the size of the school. It has more to do with kind of the local motivation, I think, to have that team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and I see it a lot uh, in the tech side of it, you know, broadcasting. Okay. Um, some schools have just a phenomenal um, – broadcasting equipment, kids that are learning how to, you know, work the board like what you're doing right here, uh, and then other schools don't have anything, you, you know, and it's all, you, you hit the nail on the head. Is there a teacher, is there an administrator who cares about who's it? Who's into it, yeah. Who's into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what it takes. It takes somebody to actually care about it. And yeah. it's just, it's kind of hit or miss between all the different school districts. <clears throat> and we're kind of at that crossroads right now in our school district because the guy who's been in charge of it, has been in charge of it for like 20-something years from the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just at a point where like yeah. he's he's doing fine with it, but yeah. he's he's about done. You know, he's just yeah. he's about done. He's ready to move on. So someone's going to have to step up and take that over or else this program's going away. It will. It will go away too. Yeah. Uh, your old stomping grounds, Carney, did you see that old baseball coach put out his retirement notice? Mm-mm. So uh, the guy that started high school baseball started the program at Kearney, a Class A school. Like you're saying, like, how can a Class A school not have baseball? Mm-hmm. Well, this one didn't until five years ago. The longtime Legion coach, uh, God, his name's escaping me, but uh, he, he was a uh, part-time or uh, what do you want to call it, sub-teacher and mm-hmm. uh, assistant coach on the football team and track. And he finally got baseball put through, and he made the commitment to him, like, look, I'm getting older. Like, he's coached baseball for 42 years. Wow. But he finally got the program up and running and said, I'll do it for five, and then I'm handing it off. And I think there's already a little bit of worry going on out there, like, someone's got to pick this up, yeah, or it's just going to go away again. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's baseball, which Mm -hmm. people But it's it's the same story, like what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with a sport that's not as common, I would think that would be harder to keep yeah, going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. To have the interest and yeah. the backing and all that. So um, back to what you had going on, Adam. So uh, you were saying your your father got you involved and you're out there shooting with their league and so on and so forth. Were you like junior high-ish age, high school age at that time? What was the... No, I was uh, maybe just into junior high, 11 okay. or 12. Okay. Yeah. So when I first started... I had to be probably younger than that when I first started, probably maybe nine or ten. Yep. Because um, I won the world championship at twelve. Okay. So, so that so at that point, as you started getting more and more more and more involved in it, it didn't have anything to do with your school at all. It was just kind of a separate league, right? Yeah, our school didn't have <coughs> anything to do with it. Gotcha. So, so I don't you're... know anybody around there that actually has a team. Okay. Outside of Donovan, where the state the state shoes. is. Yep. Yep. So, um, so you're getting involved in that, um, you're shooting with this league and then just kind of like what happens next? Like, how do you, how do you decide to kind of take that next step and get so serious with it? Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of was a progression. So Mm -hmm. I shot some leagues and then we started shooting around the state. Obviously I'm from around the Grand Island area. So we shot at a club called Indian Island out there and then we do some Lincoln shoots and some Omaha shoots in North Platte. Those were the four main places that they did skeet shooting. I probably did that for a couple of years. And I think, I don't really remember, but what my dad tells me is that the Olympics were on. And for some reason I said, oh, it'd be cool if they had shooting in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I probably just ran off to went, ran and played something. Yeah. Well, he actually looked it up and found out that there is like the sport of trap and shooting and all that stuff in the Olympics. And so without telling me, he was like trying to figure out, well, how do you get down to Colorado (laughs) Springs and go down the Olympic Training Center? How do you even get started in this? And well, one of them is winning um, like a world championship within the United States and you get an invitation. So we we booked this. I've never shot out of the state of Nebraska. And he randomly books this family vacation to McConnellston, Pennsylvania. (laughs) When I'm 12. Of course, we don't fly. We have to drive there. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, imagine how that went. (laughs) 
And so we end up getting there and, um, you know, I randomly actually just wanted and um, never thought that would happen. And, of course, on the way home, they're like, well, here's the reason why we did it. And oh, they were like, my gosh. Yeah, they're like, you know, we thought, like, this would just be a good experience. We would tell you why we did it. Mm. You know, maybe down the road right, <laughs> we would see right. this happen. But yeah. they're like, you know, you're probably going to get a call. And I got a call from the coach probably about a month later. And I think it was in December we went down to the Olympic Training Center and did some shooting with him. And he put me on their national development team. And That's wild. But where yeah. was um, the training at for the Olympics? Or so the Olympic training team. At the yeah. time, it was down in Colorado Springs at the Olympic training center okay. down there. That's where their base was. It's now up in Michigan is where the all okay. the shooting athletes go. So um, you would just go there like one, like a couple times or for a week or what? Yeah. So American shooting and international shooting is completely different. Oh. And so where I shot was set up for American, but it, it was not set up for international. So... Um, I would go down there, I think, if I remember right, the first probably about two to three years, probably two to three times a month. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. We did sponsorships and had people that helped pay for some of that stuff. But um, And then we finally got the Indian Island or Nebraska shooting park, when shooting park now, um, talked into buying some different traps, some international things, so I could practice out there and make it a lot more. So they were really helpful in, you know, the development of that and buying some of that stuff to make that work. Because then when you went to compete, it was 100% different. 100%, yeah. So what was different since you explained a little bit earlier? Is it easier to explain or no? Yeah, so the the layout's all the same. So there's still high-low, eight stations. The difference is is, um, in American ski, you start shouldered gun. Here you got to start with the gun at your hip. And then Ooh. when you call pull, there's up to a three-second delay. So you don't know when the target's coming. Oh. It could come instantly. It could second and a half. And you can't move until the target's visibly sought. So you can't draw your gun or pull right. it up. Until you see the target. Out of American tra- or American Skeet, they're running right around 52, 53 miles per hour coming out of the house. And international, it's 74. Holy cow. And then they're just a little bit smaller of a target, so which makes them actually – the circumference of harder, harder. right? Wow, so, mm. yeah, it's so, a lot different. Uh, to rewind a little bit, I, I have a couple of questions. So that early on, from the time you started shooting with that league, and to the time that you went to Pennsylvania, you said, how long had you been shooting? Probably like two to th- probably right at three to maybe three and a half years. Okay, and you had won some kind of championship prior to that. Just some, like, local state okay. stuff. Okay. And, and your parents just thought, like, he seems like he's good enough. Let's go hit a national. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Uh, it was such a random thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at. So that's kind of cool. So um, the the gun that you were using, do you remember? Yeah. So did that – did you start with something and then change it by the time you went to Pennsylvania, or how did that work? No. So my dad was always a big believer in, you know, if you can hit something with a 410, you can hit something with a 12 gauge, right? Okay. And so um, literally when I went there, I had a three set 1100 mm. um, set. So shotgun. So it wasn't over and under. So which, when you say three set, you mean three different barrels? Yep. For so three I had a 410, 28 and 20. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. So he didn't even allow me to shoot a 12 gauge just because of my age and he didn't want me to start flinching or anything like yep. that. And yep. So when I went, I had that, which everybody else is shooting these Parazis and five and six, seven thousand dollar guns. Yeah, I got like a probably eight hundred bucks at the time. Eleven hundred. Yeah, eleven hundred Winchester and yeah, yeah, semi-auto and so yeah, and then I ended up winning the twelve gauge with a twenty gauge and that's crazy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so (laughs) awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, it's funny. I got this little picture of me on the podium with like a Nebraska hat, and I look like I'm four. I People bet, because how old were the, your competitors? 25, Any age? 30, yeah. Shoot, oh, you're 12? all ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of acting really modest here and really, like, not bragging on yourself at all, which is great. But, like, I mean, this is a big deal. That's pretty wild. Like, really. it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was funny. You're like, eh, like, it's no big deal. No, that's a big deal, I think. I mean, so you- a 12-year-old going up against... 25 30 year olds well not only that but and and we'll get into or i don't know if we'll get into this or not but after we get done with this podcast we're gonna go out and shoot a little bit and we're gonna talk a little bit about that too but watching that 20 gauge versus 12 gauge even in the current um competitive market it's 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 a game changer 
and and maybe you'll talk a little bit about that, how different you feel about those. But Joel's shooting a 20, and that's what we're trying to bring him up on. But um, that's why I was just curious about that because you see, like you said, you see all these crazy guns. I mean, there's kids out here, there's high school kids that we see with yeah. twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 shotguns, you know. And I mean, we're shooting, we're shooting a gun that I bought him for Christmas for like 700 bucks, which, you know, 10 years ago was probably a $300 shotgun. Right. You know what I mean? It's just that everything's going up in value. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gets the job done and, and we, and yeah. we go with it. And he's so, doing good. He's doing fine. Yeah. So, um, so you're there, you guys are on your way back. You find out what your parents, uh, what the whole point of that was <laughs> <laughs> and then what's next. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was in September, um, and like I said, it was about a month later. Mm-hmm. I got a call from Lloyd Woodhouse at the time, which was the U.S. Olympic shotgun coach, and basically just invited us down to do some shooting with him, uh, which is pretty common if you win it. Um, and you can, I think people decline it, it sounds like, after talking to him for a while. A lot of people decline it. They're not interested in that. They like the American style. And so, of course, we went down there and um, shot and from what I understand, he liked what he saw and saw development and saw potential. So he put me on their national development team, um, which allowed me to come down to Colorado Springs and stay at the Olympic Training Center and train with the coaches and train with him and train with some of the athletes that were staying down there. And so, yeah, and then just you grow and make teams. And So at that point when you get involved in that, then do you switch guns? So <laughs> I didn't for like the first year. Really? Um, yeah, because – you know, I was so new that, you know, and I mean, cost money, obviously. I mean, twelve, fifteen thousand yeah. $15,000. Yeah. My family didn't, I mean, yeah. we didn't grow up with that type of money. So I shot um, that for probably the first two years. And then as I started making some teams and then traveling more overseas, that's when, um, that's when you want things like as far as like an over and under and yeah. different things like that, because obviously something breaks your, I mean, your SOL at that sure. point. Sure. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's kind of a testament, too, to some of those manufacturers. I mean, you're shooting a who-knows-how-old 1,100 mm-hmm. Olympic-level training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty wild. But I, I also get a kick out of how your old man was right. You know, if yeah. you can hit it with the 410, you can hit it with the 12-gauge, and you can hit it with an old 1,100. Yep. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's more to do with the shooter, not the not the mechanism. Yeah. the shooter, not yeah. the gun. Yeah. yeah that's I'm wild. surprised, actually, the coach didn't push you to get something you know different sooner so i think that's also pretty yeah. cool yeah no he never that i knew of he never yeah. did i don't know yeah. that had talks with my parents but i right. get i get the impression that a lot of that has changed too it's like anything else like I, I feel like um these shooting sports are kind of like golf in all <laughs> right yeah in that just kind of the way they're handled and like how the tech develops and what the tools are and so on and so forth. So like anymore, like if you're into mm-hmm. golf, I'm really not, but I, I see it every now and then there, you know, you can buy clubs that are absolutely outrageous mm-hmm. and you can buy clubs that aren't. Right. And there's guys that can do the same with both of them, but there's other guys that are like, Oh no, these ones, this, this shaved four points off my game or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you have all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's so similar to that. Well, and I don't want to call it commercialized, but the majority of the money that, professional golfers make are through endorsements Mm -hmm. so everybody's wearing Mm -hmm. a titleist hat uh adidas whatever taylor made Mm -hmm. um that's where it's at i I would feel the same has probably followed suit with the shooting sports where if a kid like you shows up with an old shotgun they're like no no no, we got you this beauty right here free you just have to use it Mm -hmm. and you know post for a couple pictures for us yeah i I would assume that that's the way it is now that would happen eventually Mm -hmm. yeah you know so you come you come back and you're getting involved with those guys and you're going out to Colorado Springs and those kinds of things and, and obviously you're spending some time at home and you mentioned this earlier you're shooting at some of the local ranges and they uh, started like kind of supporting and bringing in other equipment or whatever and kind of developing that sport is that am I do I have that right Yeah yeah so there's obviously a big difference between the types of traps and things like that that are used and so um, but once I think they saw that I was serious about continuing this process and making teams you know they were great in being able to support me and using funds to do that and because those one of those traps is like eighty five hundred dollars i mean it's not cheap Mm -hmm. you know so then you gotta buy two of them and then targets and yeah did you see or have you seen based on that based on the influence that you had and like the the like i said the influence that you brought back to your home with your success that that kind of developed that sport in your area like then was there more kids getting involved in it 
Yeah, into the shooting there was. So there wasn't a team at Grand Island Senior High when I was shooting, Mm -hmm. and there is now. Um, And they shoot all different sports. Trap's trap's a way bigger sport than what skeet is. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see it at the Donovan Trap State shoot. There's 1,500 shooters. Well, the state skeet shoots might have 100, Mm -hmm. literally, Mm -hmm. kids shooting in it. So trap's such a bigger sport. So most of them identified with that and went that route. But, yeah, there was definitely a bigger showcase to it and mm-hmm. as it started getting to be recognized a little bit and mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's cool is that what that team uh high school team out of broken bow they they shoot trap like they're always ranked nationally they go to all these different championships i just know it because we just did an episode over the nebraska one box mm-hmm. and a lot of those monies are raised uh for scholarships shooting scholarships things of that mm-hmm. nature and they also support the local high school team and i think it's a trap team and they always go down to this big competition in Texas and just clean house. Like Dang. year in and year out, they get first or second. Every, awesome. And just teams from all over the nation, they go to Dallas. And like you are saying, little kid in a Nebraska hat, just pew, pew, pew. Yep, <laughs> taking them down. Yeah. That's right. I feel like the sport is so, um, I don't want to say underrated, but it kind of is. But it's more like just people don't know about it. Because mm-hmm. we go out to these things and it's like, it's a big event. And it's an all-day event. It's a 5 a.m. to... 6 or 7 p.m. event. Setting up a tent. The team brings breakfast. We cook. They'll do lunch. I mean, like, yeah. this is no yeah. joke. And a lot of people come but, in, yeah. and a lot of teams bring in, like, their own enclosed trailers that have all of their stuff for their kind of campsite set up and their mm-hmm. grills and a little bit, you know, kind of a base station for the team to come back to and mm-hmm. hang out and chat about and get on the same page and all this kind of thing. It's really a neat community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to be a part of. It. It's fun to see, but I feel like it's a it's like a hidden gem. And you know, it's all it's also kind of one of those things we've talked about this with hunting before. Like, do you really want to let everybody know because yeah. it might get <laughs> yeah, right, right. It might yeah. get a little too crazy. Like you yeah. kind of want to keep it. Yeah. Like you want to keep your your hunting spot or your fishing spot right. to yourself. You know, you don't we want got this cool little sport over here. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I have found that just us being involved in so many sports at so many different levels with our oldest two, that this is a little bit different. And I don't know if it goes back to the money piece. I haven't put my finger on it that I, and maybe this is just the experience that I have with Joel's team. It's almost hard for the coach to like mandate. You have to be there. Mm. One, you're paying for your own shells. Like we bring the expensive gun or not. I mean, Mm. there's a lot of things we paid for all these clays. So I don't know. I've seen a little bit of difference of not maybe so much the, I don't know if I want to say commitment. What do you, what do you think? think? What I think it is, is what I was just talking about is that there's less people involved. Okay. So it, it's like, so like on our team, as an example, it's a small team and we have consistently week after week about eight to 10 shooters. So, you know, five positions, you got two teams, basically. There's some schools that have, like, 70 or 80 shooters. Um, When you've only got that few of kids, 8 to 10, it's like if someone can't come, they can't come. They're not not losing their spot. Okay. You know what I mean? It's it's like they're not, and especially at Joel's age, they're not competing for a particular spot where, like, oh, if I don't come, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to get punished for that. Where on, you know, it's like, Let's take soccer as an example with Elise. You know, there was all these kids trying to get that position every single day. Okay. So as soon as you slipped, one was ready to come in. Okay, maybe it's that. I was putting the money piece on it and that it's not a cheap sport. Well, it's not cheap, that's for sure. And also the motivation. Like, the coach doesn't have to worry about motivation. Like, if you want to squander this and waste your money, go right ahead. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the coach doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. You know, I think that's a... And it's, it. okay. it's put like this, this particular environment has put so much more on, uh, you know, the, the, the kid itself in terms of like their actual commitment, because knowing that, oh, I can miss this or I, you know, I don't have to yeah. do this or don't have to do that. And, and I'm not going to have a, a, a consequence <coughs> knowing that, but then still having to st- Making the decision to stick mm. with it because you want to, because you know right. you should. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of like there's a little bit different lesson there. Okay. Yeah, I, and it also kind of goes to responsibility. I think here, Adam, where the the student or the player and the parents take on a lot more responsibility rather than the coach. Everything being thrown at the coach. Like if mm-hmm. if he doesn't make that shot, you're not going to complain to the coach. Like maybe if all the you know 
students are missing consistently, you might have something to say to the coach. But on this, I think it just the responsibility factor really gets shifted back to the actual individual too. For sure. Which is probably a good thing. And I, I would imagine that some of these bigger schools where they have all of these kids, it's it definitely is more competitive because okay. they do have a ranking. Mm-hmm. And if you're and just not the committed, then you're going to lose that ranking. Right. Handicap has something to do with it, but yeah, it's just okay. your you know your your results. It's and like your a varsity JV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. competition's okay. good too. Like we're not saying competition isn't isn't good. Yeah, I'm oh, just yeah. saying at at the school that we go to, and and probably a lot of people listening to this, and just smaller a smaller program, you just don't have that pressure. Okay. You know, yeah. you have to. That's that, true. That pressure has to be internally uh, within driven. you. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, I was going to say, but back to your story. So then how long did you, you said you trained in Colorado Springs. So that mm-hmm. honestly, if you lived close to Kearney, right, that's not a huge truck, like five hours, right? No, it's about eight. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I feel like it's eight from here. Okay. Yeah, to oh, but all, Springs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way up. Okay. I was just thinking, well, it's not that bad. But um, so then you trained there for how many years or how long did you get to do that? Oh, gosh, probably 10, 12 Geez. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but at any point they could have been like, deuces, see you later. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, yeah, you have to earn your, <laughs> exactly. earn your way so into you there. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they, they, uh, they liked you enough to keep you that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I worked on it enough. One of the two. There you go. <laughs> yes. It's probably that. They liked me. <laughs> yeah. So what would be like, um, if you think through that, you said those 12 years that you were shooting or whatever the case may be, like what would be some of the high points there that you were able to experience or achieve as you kind of went through that program? Um, well, the one is just, you know, I mean, I, be honest with you, seeing the world, but mm-hmm. I didn't take advantage of it. Right. I mean, I was 12, 14, 16 years old. I didn't really understand that. Oh, not everybody gets to do mm-hmm. this. Right. And 27 different countries in that time frame, And, um, you know, but that was a big one. Right. And then you got a lot of experience of just, traveling on your own responsibilities, like growing up fairly quickly because they were putting me on a plane to Germany and like, there's nobody to hold your hand. You better... Would you go? Like sometimes would they send you and your parents couldn't go? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, many times driving down Colorado Springs by myself and leaving after school on a Friday and literally not getting there until 11 PM midnight. And, and then have to shoot in the morning. Yeah. Shoot in the morning, shoot Sunday and then drive back because I got school on Monday. Oh mm. man. Yeah. And then you had to, obviously you're bringing your gun. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's a normal thing on flights today. I don't know. But do you mm-hmm. just pack a gun and, and they they check it and that's that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say you pack a gun. No, but I mean like. not go well. Yeah, but. No, no. What I mean is like <laughs> you pack it in a, like a case is what I mean. Like, you and know. check it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a concealed case. And, um, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of stuff back then when I was shooting too much. It was a little. Yeah, yeah it's um, changed. At 9-11, it was a little yeah. tricky then. Yeah. Because uh, you obviously you notify the you know TSA that hey this is a firearm and it's in a concealed case and all that but you'd see people around yeah. you like you oh, know yeah. looking and like doing? what yeah. yeah you know but you know you don't touch it until you hit your destination and yeah so mm-hmm. so getting to travel the world and seeing all that stuff that sounds awesome what um, what do you like what kind of things did you uh, get like awards did you achieve or whatever that you felt like you were most proud of. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. So I would probably say the most proud award that I have is the um, probably winning the world championships in Cyprus um, because of the time frame. So Cyprus was a March event over there, which was nice weather over there. Okay. Well, you can imagine what January to March is in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was many days that I'd be out in 10, 15-degree weather, and I'm shooting in short sleeves and a T-shirt, right, because I'm trying to mimic what I'm doing over there. And if I got a heavy coat on, it doesn't mimic what's oh, going to be God. over there. And okay. so I get bound okay. up shooting. Yep. And so I remember many days just sitting there freezing and wondering, like, oh, man, is this worth it? And, you know, to go over there and do that and to win it and – you know, do those things. It's just, it, it, it brings out that, right? Like you can do whatever you set your mind to. Yeah. Like you, and it paid off. Yeah. And it was just, um, yeah, it was, that's probably the most memorable one. How old were you when you went through that? 16. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. So, um, 
Cyprus is where? Um, so north, I don't know, western, uh, not quite to Russia. Okay. Oh. So I, Sweden, I had no idea. Up in that area. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that area has been in the news lately. So. Finland. <laughs> yeah. I think we actually went from Cyprus to Finland. So afterwards. And so you said earlier you had to do some fundraising. Was that just kind of through your school or did you guys like, you know? Yeah, no, that was anything, all on my sell own. Anything, cookies, like whatever. You just did whatever. Yeah, so it was all on my own. So my school had nothing to do with it. Like my high school or anything like that had anything to do with it. But obviously it was expensive for me to drive to Colorado Springs. It was expensive mm-hmm. for me to start to fly. It was expensive for all that stuff. And so I had some small stuff. Hornaday was a big one, even though Hornaday doesn't necessarily make shotgun bullets or anything. Okay. They actually sponsored me and helped out and like, yeah, oh, nice. we'll donate XYZ amount of money for you to be able to do this. Um, Huge. And I told you Heartland Shooting Complex at that time, it was Indian Island. You know, they bought those traps uh-huh. out of their funds to, you know, help support me and doing that things. And so, okay. yeah, there was a lot of people that um, the owner of Chief Industries, which was a good friend of mine that we hunted with a lot of times. He was a Virgil I. Hughes and, and the I. Hughes and family. They donated a lot of money for me to just be able to travel and do okay. all that. So, so yeah. you couldn't have a job no i was gonna say like i don't want to say a normal teenager Mm -hmm. but you know sometimes teenagers have Mm -hmm. summer jobs so this was definitely took the place of that with all your dedication and everything you needed to do yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i was probably only in from basically april to like september i might have been in the state of nebraska maybe 25 30 days i'm surprised you didn't Mm. ever just move there yeah I don't think my parents wanted that. No, they didn't. Okay. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. All I mean, right. I'm sure they were mad at me as a teenager, but they'd still liked me a little bit. To but then I, I would be like, Dad, you're the one that took me. Right. Hey, you're the this... one that took me to that trip. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you I just looked it. this up. Is Cyprus an island? Kind of. It's not very big. Yeah. yeah. It it looks crazy. Like I can't imagine being 16 years old and going over here. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of the pictures of this. That that had to have been wild. Yeah, Pretty yeah. Cool. It's one of those where you wish you were a little older, so you appreciate it. Yeah, because I was so young that I'm like, well, oh, whatever. Yeah, who cares about heritage and right, right. Everybody goes to Cyprus once or twice. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> right. I think it's interesting uh, the point that Morgan brought up too about work and stuff. So you're going through that and you're training, and obviously, like that's your life. When did when do you feel like you got your first real job? You know, whatever you would call a real job. College. Okay. Yeah. So I got one in college uh, with Cabela's. Um, okay. So kind of as a as a staff person on their hunting and shooting mm-hmm. and marketing for them and things like that. And then I also worked like, I mean, I don't even know if I'd call it work. I may have worked there three days a year yeah. or I mean yeah. a month. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah. Because we kind of ran into that with our daughter that, and that was always a... Uh, a debate was like, you know, going through high school and all these kinds of things like, oh, she needs a job. She needs real world experience, but she's hyper involved in building her soccer career. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, yes, it paid off for her in college and so on and so forth. But then, you know, then they get to that point and then they don't have any work experience, you know. So it's just kind of interesting in how athletes deal with that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had a real big issue with, like, the work experience when I got in the working world. But um, I think my parents did a really good job of explaining to me that, you know, here's what we're willing to do. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't need to be like every other kid and go get a summer job. But here's the deal. This is your summer job. This is your responsibility. Right. Yeah. Right. If we yeah. don't see that happening, right, we don't see you spending four or yeah. five days a week yeah. investing into this. Then you're going to go get a you're summer job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then yeah, this yeah. is going to end and this is going to start. Right. Yeah. You're going to yeah. lay pipe. <laughs> yeah, Makes exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, good. This is yeah. good info. Yeah. yeah it's cool. interesting. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I like how it translates to a lot of different things, you know, where you're like, well, that, what holds true over here for skeet and trap also you could say works for a baseball team or, you know, it's just kind of across the board, the yeah. reoccurring themes, I think. 100%. 100%. Uh, last last couple of things that I had. Um, how do you feel? You know your experience with that and traveling the world and competing at that high level and so on and so forth. How's that carried on to what you do today, and and how you apply that to your to your life today? For sure. Um, you know, one of the big ones that we talked about 
Um, so one of the things when you get onto like a, a national stage like that, I should say, is you get some different um, mental help and psychological and how to prepare for, you mm-hmm. know, competitions and relaxing nerves and things like that. And how do you do that? Right. And there's, yeah, there's physical things, there's techniques and stuff like that. But one of the big things that I think I learned was, you know, that if you view the masses and do the opposite, you're probably going to crush it. And so even in that world, um, they talked about like, you know, here's 75 people trying out for, to make three, three teams, which Mm -hmm. is eight people, you know, they're like, well, watch all these other people and how they train and then go do the opposite Hmm. if you want to make the team. Right. And a lot of other people would train and they may shoot a hundred, 150 shots a day. Right. We shoot usually 75 shots of competition and then 50 the second day. Well, I'd watch like a guy like Todd Graves who kind of mentored me and was an Olympian and things like that. He would shoot roughly around 250 to 400 shots a day. Jeez. And then he would do different station work, right? But you're out there, like you said, with shooting, right? We were out there eight to 10 hours a day. A lot of people were out there four to five. Cool, I've done my training and now I'm going to go do some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that wasn't, wasn't realistic. And he taught me, create this like it's your job. Most people work a 40-hour work week. Work 40, have 50, 60 hours out here. Sure. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the last things I was thinking about, it just it made me, uh, it, it came to mind when you were talking about you're trying to train for a completely different environment as far as weather goes here in a completely different environment. You're wearing your shorts and so on and so forth. Have you ever seen, and this is just a sidebar, any like indoor shooting facilities that have to do with clays? Mm-mm. It seems like, doesn't it seem like a no-brainer? I mean, it seems like it'd be easy to build. I mean, seems like you so, should start together, one. So my, right? my point is, are we ready to go into business? To do this? <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, oh damn. I'm sitting here Hit looking at... focused firearms. <laughs> yeah. At an F. I'm sitting here looking at this this whole industry and the little bit of experience that we've had with it. And I brought it up to Morgan and I said, God, this industry is like, or this sport is just ripe for the picking. And if we, if you take the intensity and you take the intensity that you had on a, on a national level in just this particular sport. But if you take the intensity that we've experienced in soccer and basketball, whatever, and apply that to this particular sport, I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. like it would just, it would, it would just make it absolutely ridiculous. And again, back to what we talked about earlier, maybe you don't want to do that because it just needs to still be its fun, exclusive thing. But yeah, I don't know. It just, it just feels like it's something that is ripe for the picking and if you had a cool, even basic indoor facility where people could come and train in any environment and any trap set up and so on and so forth, I, I think it'd be awesome. So yeah. in none of those places you travel to in the 27 countries or whatever you said, no one had anything indoor? Mm-mm. So, not for, not for that's shotgun. That's crazy. So, Air rifle and stuff. Okay, because I was going to say there's always other places that we always forget about, but maybe not. So you guys all have heard the moniker, there's no original idea. Like everything's mm-hmm. came from this yes. and mm-hmm. just people build on it, right? You just have to put your original, you know, thumb on Spin it. Spin on it, yeah. So I'm going to meet all you guys halfway. It's already been done. It's top golf, but with shotguns. Yeah. You got the little heaters there. You got the net Didn't there. you see 100%. the new baseball? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You the know? new baseball thing is coming? Uh, the, the complex? Yeah. yeah. It's called like top baseball uh-huh. or something where like, no, I'm dead serious. I saw I, it on I, I baseball. I believe you, yeah. Or Facebook that they're like making these baseball places like Top Golf where you can oh, like cool. hit. And that's that a, different. That's I a don't know. that's a great example. And what what you said there, Andy. I mean, the way you could you could just imagine, yeah, standing there with shotguns. Yep. Obviously, you're not going to have beers and stuff, but you're going to well, have. Well, I mean, let's keep this open. <laughs> you're going to have <laughs> you're going to have your appetizers and all all of your event all these kinds of things and and that that would be a perfect environment for that yeah right uh yeah. And, and it'd be fun as heck uh yeah two yeah, levels man. three levels hmm. you, you know corporate events yeah. the whole nine yards yeah, yeah. and i i also want to point out and this is kind of part of this this conversation this shooting shooting sport converse, conversation i think what stops people from doing stuff like that is like the fear around guns right like yeah. oh we don't want a bunch of people walking around with guns whatever and what I would say to that is go to a local trap meet. Mm-hmm. There is literally hundreds and hundreds of kids, if not thousands. Yeah. Kids. Walking around with a shotgun mm-hmm. and ammo mm-hmm. and getting to their their position when they need to. Yeah. 
and shooting, doing their competition, getting back, putting it away, doing all the things, yeah. and there's no accidents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that park uh, over on Harrison? Coke, Harry yeah. Coke Gun Club. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Gun Club. And real nice facility, right? You know, nothing over the top or anything. Um, they serve beer there after you're done shooting. Right. Yeah, they, they got a liquor mm-hmm. license. But uh, one of the guys that I introduced to the outdoors and bought him a shotgun for his wedding, actually. Um, you bought a guy a shotgun for his wedding? Yeah, it was I pretty cool. to my wedding. It's a good yeah. gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. took him. I'm, I hey, took him totally coming. <laughs> I took him turkey hunting, and he just loved it. And then his wife really liked being outdoors, too. So mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, let's just make this for real. And I got him a shotgun. Um, so, and then I took him to that facility and like you said, we, we walked in there and he was like shocked, like, oh my God, he'd never been around in an environment like, but all these old guys were breaking down their shotguns and cleaning them. And he's never seen that many firearms in his life. And it freaked him out. And he said something like, oh my God, this doesn't feel like the safest place. I go, are you kidding me? This is the safest place in Omaha right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine someone coming in here and trying to stir something up with right. all these boys and their shotguns? I'm like, this right. is the safest place right now. And he goes... Oh, you're right. Yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. I so think, yeah, yeah. you got to be exposed to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a projection that's put out there, and it's always has been. But it's a false. Yeah, it's a false narrative. You yeah, know? it's just you got to educate. Well, and you, yeah, I mean, you rewind to not not too long ago, where you know we talked about earlier, where you know kids they they have their gun at school and they're shooting at school and they're they're practicing rifles in mm-hmm. PE class and yeah. you know yeah. in the back window of every pickup in the in the parking lot has a gun hanging and all these kinds of, I mean it's just it's something yeah. that has always been there. Right. People have just kind of gotten whatever weird about it but it's neat to see the um I think trap with what we're involved in and and I'm sure skeet as well is is coming up. I'm seeing a whole yeah. lot more people talking about it and getting involved in it which is awesome. Yep. Um we're excited for the next However many years we have, what do we got? Six, six, seven years of it coming yeah, up. Right. Um, Assuming he wants to continue doing it. I don't know why yeah. he wouldn't. He might make yeah. nationals. You guys might have, <laughs> you might have more than that. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's great. And and I wanted to chat a little bit about that. Expo- I haven't heard anybody talking about the sport. So um, I just thought it'd be fun to do. And especially yeah, with someone awesome. who's been as involved in it as you are. So with all that being said, is there like, Anything else we didn't we didn't touch on that you wish we would have as far as the sport goes or anything like that? No, I think you touched on it. You know, it's a it's a sport that if you're listening to this and you haven't got into it, look into it because it's a ton of fun and it teaches kids a young responsibility at a young age. Absolutely, and more for that they'll help them in everyday life, whether they go do national shooting competitions yeah. or anything. Yeah, and I think that's huge. When you look at yourself, I mean, how much shooting do you do today now? Like that's just that's an example I'm using. Not it's a like ton. it was your life. Mm-hmm. And and you got through that and learned a ton of stuff from it and are very thankful for it. And now today it's like you're still kind of around it or whatever, but it's not like. Yeah, I mean, I make it out once every other yeah, week, yeah, maybe. Yeah, same mm-hmm. kind of thing as any other mm-hmm. sport, you yep. know, what we're talking yep. about. So that's cool. awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming back. This was something that yeah. since, since we had you last time that I've given a lot of thought to, and I thought, man, this would be a perfect topic for mm-hmm. common folks. It is, so. yeah. And I'm excited to see uh you guys outside. Yeah, we're going to cool. go all back yeah. here. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to squeeze off a few rounds and see what happens. Can Let's I join? Can I take the class? Can yeah. I? You, need, you need it. <laughs> I know. You need I know. It. <laughs> did you bring it? came back. Did, did you, you bring it? Did you bring your shotgun? I did not. Oh. I, but I can go home and get it, you guys. I know. You live close. <laughs> we'll find one for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. We're always looking out right. for you. I appreciate it. All right, cool. Well, what do you think? Close it out? Sounds good. Later. All right, peace. All right, Thank you, guys. Peace.